Hi, Meg and Dina and John. I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for the podcast. It has truly been a lifesaver throughout the pandemic. And I'm so glad that I have it to look forward to even now. And congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Um, I did have a question. I was wondering if you could choose any decade of horror, whether it's the 70s, 80s, going all the way back to the 1930s or 40s, what decade do you feel is the best, like, that has produced the best horror movies or directors or or anything about horror like with what would you choose and why thanks so much and again congratulations thanks caller great question i mean i know last week we had a question about our favorite year for horror but not necessarily the decade that turned out the best horror movies or directors so I think I'll be curious to see if this is similar to what our answers were last week. Let's start with Megan. What do you think was the best decade for turning out horror movies or directors? I actually went with the director approach here um, because it's so hard to choose movies. And I narrowed it down to I basically went with the 70s because that's where we got Craven, uh, Toby Hooper, John Carpenter, Joe Dante, Don Coscarelli, Dario Argento. Uh, yeah, we that I feel like that's the masters kind of of horror. The in the you know, our, but I am babbling. Um, that's that's like our pillars, right? And then I as kind of I t- I juggled with this because I also wanted to think about who the new masters would be. You know, which means that maybe the early 2000s, because that's where we get like James Wan and Lee Whannell, um, Frank Darabont. He didn't start in the 2000s by any stretch, but like we got the mist from him and then The Walking Dead, which changed a whole lot for us. Um, you know, like James Gunn and, uh, you know, with the Dawn of the Dead remake. So basically mm-hmm. I went with the 70s and then to a lesser extent, the the 2000s the early 2000s, like that first decade. Nice. What about you? Me? Oh. No, go Xena. <laughs> okay. I need to piggyback off you two's knowledge. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually going to piggyback off, off of Megan. I'm actually going to go with the 80s, though. The 80s and 2000s. Um, because oh, yeah, and Cronenberg. To... Sorry. I was like, Cronenberg. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting one from the 70s. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No worries. 80s. No worries. Because when it comes to the 80s, I feel like it's obviously such an awesome time, but there was a mixture. So not only mainstream was doing really well, but even independent movies were really doing well. And, you know, there was just like a mixture of everything. So it's either you could have been watching it in in, in the theaters and, and loving it or at home on your couch still enjoying it, you know. So there's a great mixture on that. And then I'm going to go with the early 2000s just because, you know, that's when I, I've always been into horror, but that was like the time when it was like I was watching horror movies more for me and not because, oh, my mom picked this or, yeah. you know what I mean? So I was able to actually just pick certain ones. And I feel like there's so many forgotten gems when it comes to the early 2000s. Yeah. I like that you went the, with the movie approach there for the question. Yeah. There's so many directors. There, There's so <laughs> many more movies. Yeah. There's a lot. John? I'm basically just going to steal Megan's at least partial answer when I said early. And my thought was early 2000s. Not because 
Which is also a difficult answer at the same time because, uh, you know, the directors now are standing on the shoulders of guys like John Carpenter and Wes Craven and Dario Argento and everyone else. Yeah. But they're so responsible for the massive resurgence that we started seeing post-90s where we started getting away from a little bit of that cheesiness and, you know, the Dark Castle-esque sort of movies and started getting into... You know, for better or worse, no matter how you take or think of Saw and the idea of like the torture porn type movies, Saw was gigantic. It was so huge for horror and it yeah. struck such a huge chord. And obviously, it turned out nine or 10 sequels or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it introduces the James Wan and Lee Wanell who are continuing to change the landscape and continuing to turn things out and influence everyone else beyond it. So, well, we kind of had that gray, like the like the 90s weren't absent of horror. Right. But it needed a resurgence, and it wasn't being carried through by, like, Wes Craven and the old guard. So I think the early 2000s has really been forcing things forward now. Yeah. I, I almost agree with you. I do think that Craven was very responsible for changing the landscape in the 90s once again you know, with Scream, that was a crazy reinvention. And he was like, yes, that's a good point. But yeah, but yeah, as a whole, you're totally right. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like exception that proves the rule at that point. Like what Scream was, was also like, you said, yeah, it was out of left field and it was in 95 or 96, like kind of in the meat of, you know, like it was just unexpected. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, what the hell is this? (laughs) Okay, anyway, but so obviously, great question. I got us chatting a bit. Uh, and then we're going to move over to an email from Don D. If you could have played the part in a movie and got to choose the part, which movie and which character would you play and why? This is a good question. Xena? Uh, well, first, thank you, Don. I love that question. So, um, okay, I have three. I have three that came in line. So the first one is I'm going to go with Katrina from Vamp, who's played by uh, Grace Jones, because she doesn't even have to talk, but she's just so fashionable and amazing and powerful, you know, ripping out people's hearts and stuff. I'm not saying I would want to do that, but I'm just saying, you know, if, okay, you get it. But the very (laughs) provocative dance, that that would would be your thing. I could never. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and then this one would be, you know, we, we talked about this character before and you both made fun of me for picking this character, but I feel like she is me when I was a kid. <laughs> this would be for Kid Xena, and that's Aww. Mimi from Psycho Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I can understand wanting to play that part. That's a very powerful part. She's hilarious. And the music, you know, musical scene was great, but... And then just the last one, of course, Angela from Night of the Demons, because that beautiful dress, and she has wicked dance skills. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, I mean, I've said it before. Just make me a body. Yeah, so you, so basically, it doesn't dead. matter. It does not matter what movie it is as long as you get to play dead. Yeah, I am totally just like fodder at this point. Or like a victim you didn't even see killed and he's just like in a pile. That works. <laughs> or... Or make me, uh, make me the clown in uh, Hell House LLC. 
Oh, oh, yeah, I can see that. That would be so cool. It's like the one that like just sits in the background sure. with the mask on. Yeah, the awesome. one with the black and white makeup and who uh, they're constantly telling us it doesn't move just to nail yeah. that point. Sure. You would nail that part. Um, I <laughs> went with, <laughs> I went with uh, Meg from the Blob remake. Oh, just because mm. it's like. I want to be a pissed off cheerleader who saves the day <laughs> and yeah. uh also <laughs> i couldn't decide i kind of toggled between um alicia cuthbert's character in house of wax or ali larder's mm. character in house mm. on haunted hill Ooh. mostly because i just Ooh. want to play around on those sets like dark castle yeah. sets went they they go big and i want to play do. i want to play in a town full of wax people and wax sets or you know dr vanikit's institute it would be fun yeah so that's, that's awesome i could totally see you in ali larder's role too that, that would totally oh, yeah? make sense you could swap that out so easy it's me <laughs> cut Megan, you gotta stop saying it's me. <laughs> You're an actress. <laughs> all right, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. It's me! <laughs> <laughs> and you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre. Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello! And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, it's because somehow our technology actually held out long enough for us to finish this recording. And we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror and minimal recording issues. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? So I was able to check out Universal's Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights. Yay! Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, last week, it, it's their 30th uh, year, you know? Amazing. So, um, it's so awesome. Jeez. So, yeah, I, I've been a couple of times, and I have to say that this year is amazing. Um, so, so for those of you who do not know, there are haunted houses, scare zones, live entertainment, and, like, plenty of attractions. So... If you're someone who doesn't really like like haunted houses, there's definitely still something for you to do, you know? So I, I don't feel like you'll be bored at all. But yeah, there are 10 houses. I won't go over all of them because I don't want to take up too much of you guys' time because we're busy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give you a few. So I really enjoyed The Haunting of Hill House. It looks just like the series. Like it's Amazing. Just, it's seriously amazing. Like So... I just want to live there. How how did they pull off the bent neck lady? Oh, it... she's there. Ooh. She's, she's there. there. Yes, and it's, she and is. It's really well done. That's it's the thing. very well done, and it's... the red room is there as well. Ooh. I was screaming when I saw that. <laughs> no, literally, because I it was my time to shine and scream. Um, and then also Beetlejuice is a Beetlejuice house. <laughs> oh that's... wow, that would yeah, be fun. Just... Oh. So much fun. It's very whimsical. Um, not really scary, but you know, but you hear familiar music. You see characters that oh, you know I love. And love. It. Yeah, and then of course there is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, which nice. is awesome. Yeah, Ooh. and then um, there's even yeah. a Universal Monsters like the Bride of Frankenstein. I bet that, that would be gorgeous. They reenact a scene like that uh-huh. iconic scene. So yeah, but but again, there's so many. There's there's another one that was my favorite as well. That it's like a puppet theater. 
very creepy. Creepy stuff going on in there, Oof. and I just love it so much. So I, I have to ask if you ate any cool snacks because they always do like the themed <laughs> food too. I want to know about everything. Okay, yeah, they they do. So when we first got there, like it was raining, like crazy. It's Florida; it's always raining, but um, it was crazy raining. It was super packed and stuff, but. Um, they really did set up something really nice for the media group. And my favorite thing, maybe, um, you know, you're probably familiar. So they had these little brownies that were shaped like a skull. Aww. And you can, like, its eyeballs were, they were like cream. It was just so cute. I, I meant to take a picture, but I just ate it. Aww. And then I didn't eat it, eat this together, but they had a burger where the buns, or supposed buns, it was more like a donut. Ew. And... Yeah, it was a glazed donut. I, I just only ate the donuts and left the burger. <laughs> Fair. But they, but they had other things. They had uh, ribs. Um, there was like, you know, some chicken and gumbo type of stuff. Like they had like different kinds of, of food, which was great because, again, there was something for everyone. And then any kind of drink you desire. So you guys know I was down with the Coke Zero. Nice. So that was a good time. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. There are five scare zones. There are two shows and, you know, two live shows. My favorite is, um, it's called Halloween Nightmare Fuel. There's like acrobatics, like flying in the air, but then there's also like fire. Okay. And it's just cool. It's just amazing. So, and, um, they were so awesome. Like being a part of the media group, we also were able to experience, um, the jacked up experience. If you go to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, I recommend staying at the Cabana Beach Resort. Uh-huh. They even have in their lobby a horror bar, like a horror bar. It has like, Ooh. it's just, it's just very beautiful. You know, I meant Aww. to take a picture, but I got so excited. Aww. And I mean, I did have a drink over there. It was really nice and just wonderful. And everybody was just in that spooky spirit. Very welcoming. I loved it so much. And, uh, but yeah, if you're interested in going, you know, to Halloween Horror Nights, Orlando, it's now yeah. open, you know, <laughs> uh, between now and select uh, nights between, um, well, yeah, between now and October 31st. So, cool. Check it out. Get your spooky on. It's fun. I, I would like to. <laughs> I would like to. You need to. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, I only was able to watch like a couple of movies last week. So, I checked out the psychological horror, We Need to Do Something, 2021, on Amazon. Seeking shelter from a storm, a family finds itself trapped for days with no sign of um, rescue. An old, an, uh, an untold evil is lurking just behind the walls. So I'm going to be honest with you. This one is definitely not for everyone. And um, I'm, I'm a big fan, though, of like the locked in kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very intense movie. And it has like a, an effective, like kind of trapped point of view for the viewers. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, I'm not, this movie is so tense. This is not the kind of movie that you, that I recommend rewatching, mm-hmm. you know, it, it won't really put you in a great mood or anything like that. But um, I feel like there were some people who I come across, I noticed that they're not the biggest fans of it, which I can totally understand why. But I think the reason why I like it is probably the reason why they hate it or dislike it. And um, that's like two reasons. The first thing is I love the fact that I don't know where it's going. You think you yeah. know, but then there's some stuff that happens that it will live in your, your head rent-free. There's some gross, disturbing scenes. Pat Healy, I've never seen him like this. He actually plays the the father in this, and clearly he doesn't know how to 
deal with stress and he's always yelling. Um, I, I, I don't want to give away a certain part, but there's something that really just like made me like cringe that he does. So if you've seen the movie, you know what I, I mean. There's a couple of things. He's just not a nice guy. He kind of sucks as a dad, just being honest with you. <laughs> but even with the family in general, that family, it's like, I don't know if they hate each other. There's just some weird stuff going on. You know, the only real innocent one is is their youngest son. You know, I, I just poor kid have to deal with them. And then, yeah, yeah like there's even though there's a lot of disturbing moments there, there's kind of like a dark comedic tone to this movie. And I felt bad for laughing at first. But then I realized like I laugh when I'm uncomfortable, you know, sometimes. Aww. Yeah, because it was okay, but okay, I, I won't go into that. There's a lot of spoilers, but if you're someone who you know you like kind of like those trapped kind of movies, um, I recommend checking it out. I recommend just kind of going in with an open mind, and it's cool if it's not your thing, but I think that it really is like I had a great experience watching it. Plus, Vanessa Shaw, she's in it, she also plays Allison in Hocus Pocus, so you get to see an older Allison with her new family. She should have just stayed with Max. So she has had bad luck since because she was in uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, she was. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah, poor, poor, poor girl. Allison. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I checked out. Nice. I finally got around to opening up my Blu-ray of 1974, The Possession of Altair. It's a, a t- 26 found footage movie. So it's a John movie. Uh, yay. yay! A newlywed couple disappeared in 1974, as the title indicates. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and their 8mm tapes reveal one of the most horrifying events in Mexican history. So it is a Mexican found footage movie. And it is got that gritty, like, grainy 8mm quality to it. It's like this couple Ooh. and they're hip 70s and in love and he gets her puppy because it's a birthday but then she gets a weird phone call and then starts going downhill from there Mm. um and it was really interesting because i mean not just for the rare it's like 1974 set but uh i thought it was going to be a standard kind of paranormal activity-esque possession story it definitely Mm -hmm. starts out that way and then it ends up somewhere i did not anticipate at all and it gets major brownie points for that uh especially like that final kind of last little bit there that i just i thought john would really like it um but i don't i don't think it's streaming i think it's only this is like a cauldron um blu-ray release so hopefully not even like an amazon rental or anything uh you can look but i don't think so i mean i actually had this on my radar for a while because it played on uh like it played out brooklyn horror fest a few years ago and then nothing so i've been waiting That you can easily rent it if you're in Mexico, but not here. I've been trying. So I'll keep my eye out. Otherwise, I'll just have to mail you my DVD to watch. Deal. (laughs) And then I checked out Superhost, the uh, new Shudder release. And uh, it's it's fun. It's with their follower count dwindling, travel bloggers Teddy and Claire pivot to creating viral content around their most recent Superhost, Rebecca, who wants more from the duo than a great review. The actress who plays the super host is so unhinged in such a fun way. 
Uh, Barbara Crampton pops in for a little bit. She's got a small role, but it's like Grace Pullum. I cannot remember her last name. She plays a super host. Gillum. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's the reason to watch this. It's the same director, writer of Z and Mm -hmm. uh, Stillborn, which both are available on uh, Shudder. And there is a moment that reminds me of those movies in this where it's just like this creepy waving from the lawn. I want more of that. But I if you want like a fun, just off your rocker horror comedy, it's pretty good. And then a Patreon pick from Mark Dowling for all of us. Uh, I watched Beast. I know John (laughs) checked it out on a subscription trial. Sure did. Yeah, Uh, I can't remember the name of the subscription, but if you go on Amazon and you just look up Feast, Feast 1, 2, and 3 are available on a channel. Oh, all three. And it's one I'd never heard of, so you could do a seven-day trial if you want to check it out. Nice, but make sure you put a reminder so you... You end it before exactly. The, yeah. Yes, which I might have hit the seven day mark at this point. Oh no! Uh, I have it on. It. I have the first one on Blu-ray, and I think Xena might also have it on DVD. Mm-hmm. But um, DVD. the basic premise of the first one is that patrons get locked inside a bar and forced to fight for their lives when monsters descend. Uh, a little bit of background that I think is pretty interesting as a whole is that this movie. It's directed by John Gulliger and written by Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton. And you probably know those two from uh, The Collection and The Collector. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, this movie came about um, because it won, the trio won Project Greenlight Season 3. Yeah, I actually watched this season. Oh, you did? Okay. So had you seen yeah. this one before, John, the movie? I had seen one before, yes. I saw, because I watched the whole Project Greenlight season, and then I think pretty much as soon as it came out on DVD, I checked it out. Okay. Because it did not show much in theaters, which is exactly what Wes Craven said was going to happen, and they ignored him. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so I watched this right when it came out, and then I don't, I think I only watched it the once. So now, and that was what, 10 years ago or whatever. Super refresher for you. What did you think? Uh... You know, it didn't age great for me. Hmm. I remember liking a lot more. There's, there's certain parts where I that I really enjoy, like Eric Dane's basically uh, entire role in the movie. I yeah. think is great. Um, it, and believe me, I have no issue with sophomoric humor. Yeah, it gets a little bit old mm-hmm. for me in horror when all of a sudden it's just like, all right, that's just, like what. Like what the little animal does at the end to Biker Babe or whatever her name was. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that part, but this will blow your mind. That actress, uh, Diane Ayala Goldner, is the director's wife. Oh, okay. So that actually makes more sense to me. So, yeah, it's like, here, honey, let me let me subject you to this. Yeah. And the honestly, I started having a really hard time. It's got so many frenetic cuts in it Mm -hmm. i had a really hard time following the action scenes like it is spliced a lot and the two like main characters are both like dark-haired women and i totally got lost with who was supposed to be what because there's a lot of characters there are none of them have names they have titles which actually makes it harder (laughs) except for jason muse and tuffy tuffy is uh that's true yeah 
Yeah. So yeah, I it's it's fine. It it's a very grindhousey type. It is grindhousey movie. Um, but it got, but almost like without the sincerity, like it, it, I get the impression that the writers thought that it was a lot funnier than it was. Mm-hmm. I think that they literally set out to break all horror rules and that's what they did. Like sure. this, this movie is let's break all of the rules, the movie. So, yeah. and they pretty much succeeded in it they, and it's fine. Like I don't dislike it, but it definitely would not be at the top of my queue if I saw it showing up on Amazon, like, or, or Tubi or something. I, I think it's entertaining. Uh, I don't like certain parts, like the one with yeah. uh, Harley mom. I'm not a fan of that, but no. I, I also don't, my, I love, I love, I love seeing Henry Rollins pop up in a movie, especially mm-hmm. in a horror movie. So he yeah. was hilarious in this. Uh, I like his role as the motivational speech giver. Uh, yep. And I like the speeches he gives. I think there's a lot of great parts in this, but it's just a crazy wild movie to me that so much, well, really the franchise. Um, I will admit that once we got to baby eating and cat raping in part two, that's where I hit my threshold with the humor. Yeah, um, I started watching two because it's in the trial too, and I only got like thirty minutes into it or so, and I was like, "Yeah, there's other stuff on." But I do appreciate what a crazy family affair this trilogy has been. I mean, uh, John Gulliger yeah. he directed all three. Uh, the same writers were in all three. His wife, who does die in the first one, does appear as a as the twin in the following two movies. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, Clue Gulliger, who is the bartender, who does die. But also comes back in the second two. Uh-huh. Like his dad <laughs> is is an all three. Uh, he casts oh. his brother, who appears in the second and third. So it's it's the most twisted uh, family trilogy I have seen, and I respect that. I do respect that. Zena, do you have? Yeah. Oh well, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, you guys have such a great memory. Like, I really did not remember the movie at all. You know, I didn't even know that I owned it till I saw it on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I I think that it's a fun movie. Um, yeah. but I, I I think I really respect and love the fact that they know that they're not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, it's just meant to be like a splatter fest. And plus, you know, I was really rooting for. I think the little kid's name Cody. That was insane. <laughs> what it was so insane, and that's yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. This movie breaks rules intentionally it it breaks... and shockingly. <laughs> even when you think they're even when you think you know what's going to happen because you think the movie literally told you what's going to happen, you still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So it yes, it's it's very hard to go into this movie with any level of expectation. Let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. if that's what you're looking for, check out Feast by all means. Yeah. Tag I got a chance to watch some interesting movies this week. Uh-oh. <laughs> First up was 2012's Bait, which is available on Tubi. This was Megan's pick. A freak tsunami traps shoppers at a coastal Australian supermarket inside the building, along with 12-foot great white sharks. All right, Megan, why this one? Because it's fun, damn it. Uh, uh, I do, I mean, it sounds like a totally stupid premise, but yet there is a lot of suspense to it in parts, not as a whole. There is. 
there's a couple of really good scenes uh, without giving out spoilers, like the scene um, involving, we'll say, the breaker box. Yeah. Was also an equal parts of me yelling at the screen, like, why didn't you see this happening? Yeah. Like, like you guys were not prepared for this at all. How would anybody um, be prepared for sharks at a grocery store, John? Not that. The actual plan they come up with. They didn't come across, like, anything to figure this one out. They went to uh, the store to get Cheerios and Ho-Hos. They didn't plan yeah. for any of that. <laughs> I was really surprised to see the appearance of one of the actors from Nip Tuck. Yeah. Whose name I don't know, but it's like, wait a second. Because this movie, this is basically a sci-fi channel shark movie. It's not, like, though. It's not, but it's... It's it's a big budget like, Australian and China co-production, I'm pretty sure. Was it big budget? Yeah, and it was in 3D. Oh, I'm guessing the budget had a lot to do with the sets, though, too. Because, I mean, the sets itself, like a basically completely submerged parking garage and yeah. supermarket and everything else... Uh, it was, well, like I just said, it was, ba- to me, it was, it was a step up from Sharknado. It's a uh, big step up from Sharknado. I will, yeah. I will fight you. Sorry, several. <laughs> a flight of, a flight of stairs up from Sharknado. There you go. But it's the Chrysler building away from Jaws. So, <laughs> for me. Um, but it is fun. It's, it's literally, like Megan said, like I said, it's. Sharks in a grocery store. Yeah, it's supposed it, to be it, a good time, and that's it. It's not Jaws, no. <laughs> nope, you get your tropes, you get your cliches, you get People brooding, getting backstory. Eaten. Yeah. How's the design of the shark? Uh, the sharks are okay. They're yeah. mostly digital from what I saw. I guess I don't didn't see a lot that seemed like they actually had any animatronics going on with the shark. Um. I guess there's it's really the parking garage when you see the shark the most. But, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of plot lines going on in this movie. Too. Everybody's got their drama, for sure. Everyone's got something But it's got going the on. chick from uh, your next, Charney. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, and it's Tubi. It's not Shark Week. I don't, I don't even know when Shark Week is. Is that in, like, summer or something? Yeah, I thought it was in July or June. June, July. Perfect. Well, if, you, if you're missing Shark Week... Go watch bait. For, for very accurate shark behavior. Exactly. Exactly how sharks would behave. <laughs> and then I followed it up with Xena's spicy pick, 1982's One Dark Night on Shudder. Side note about that. Have you, have you guys noticed when you look up a movie to see what the streaming options are, Shudder never shows up? Yeah. It showed up that this was on Tubi, but it's like, well, why isn't Shudder brought in on this? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway. As part of an initiation into a club called the Sisters, a young girl must spend a night in a mausoleum. Oddly enough, this is what IMDb said, and that does not capture what's actually going on in this very well at all. Uh, Meg or Zeno, why this one? Because I feel like it has everything I love: occult stuff, mm-hmm. mean girls, zombies, and insanity. So there's your yes, gift. Yes, the IMDb oddly left out the massive occult subplot that's yeah. going on that basically surrounds the entire premise of this movie and the 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 attempt at science to explain what's going <laughs> on with this man who could steal people's biokinetic energy and an appearance by Adam West yeah <laughs> batman this this was a i totally see how this is a xena pick yeah. It's this... just great. It it gave me phantasm vibes. 
Sure. Very stylish mausoleum. Very stylish. Oh, man, it was gigantic, too. Mm -hmm. It was amazing how big that mausoleum was. It's one of the... the, (laughs) Honestly, my only real problem with the movie is... So Meg Tilly, Jennifer Tilly's sister, stars in this. And... Jennifer Tilly, who yeah. mm-hmm. probably most horror fans know is like uh, Tiffany from Child's Play, I think is probably one of her bigger horror roles. Yeah. The whole premise of this girl going to a mausoleum is because, like I said, it's an initiation into this group club called the Sisters. Mm-hmm. The Sisters are just three friends <laughs> that call themselves the Sisters that aren't a club. And nobody else seems interested in joining the club. And the ex-boyfriend of the leader of the club seems really annoyed. But it's it's like, and at no point does, did I notice there was a reason why she wanted to even be in the club. Because she, she was like just super happy-go-lucky. Like, yeah, I want to be in the club. And like, they hate her. <laughs> it was like a very strange dynamic. They did. But you know what? Those jackets. I, would, I wanted to oh, join that's because what it the was. jackets. You, the, John, we need to join. <laughs> well, John is. I, we we need our own jackets. We're we we're do. three. There's Boom. three of us. Get us there jackets. We're sisters. I'm. I mean, I can see your closet, Zena, and believe me, your closet is a lot more fashionable than mine. So when I noticed them wearing jackets, that was not the first thing that I thought. Like, oh, that's why I get it now. <laughs> But that that is a good point. Like, they just don't really care for her, you know? But she's, I don't know, for some reason, she just has a point to prove that she's strong. And it's like, why? You don't have to and be. It, but here's and the part funny of it could thing. be because she's, yeah, it could be because she's dating that one mm-hmm. girl's boyfriend and she's basically proving herself. Like, I'm, I can take whatever you can dish out. Right. Might have been part of it. But the funny thing so. is, is like, she's refreshingly the biggest scaredy cat. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. There this is not your average final girl. She is no. petrified from beginning to end. I also yes, of, read oh, like God. an article where uh Meg Tilly, she was actually scared on set. Real Aww. life. She was scared, yeah, and in the mausoleum. So I mean, great acting <laughs> skills too, but awesome. Nice. She's really good at and body then... snatchers in ninety three. Oh. oh yeah. There you go. And uh, then, yeah, we already talked about uh, watching Feast, and that wrapped it up for me this week. So before we move on, what do we watch, and how do we watch it? So I actually went to Universal's Orlando uh, Halloween Horror Nights, and then I watched We Need to Do Something on Amazon. I watched 1974, The Possession of Altair on Blu-ray, and Superhost on Shudder, and uh, Feast on Blu-ray, but John said it is available to stream on uh, Amazon. Some Amazon trial, I just can't remember the name of it off the top. Just you'll find uh, it. Search, yeah, <laughs> search Feast on Amazon. It'll pop up as an option. And I watched uh, 2012's Bait on Tubi, and the, a shark movie, not a Martin Lawrence movie. Yeah, big difference between the two. <laughs> John's favoriteest movie ever. <laughs> and 1982's One Dark Night on Shutter. So I am actually tapping out of suggestions for the next few weeks. As much as I do enjoy Megan what? and Zena making my choices. It was bait. My... Bait ended this, didn't it? Why? Yes. <laughs> the, my weeks, especially leading up into October okay. with creepy and what has turned into the inter or the the rec league sports schedule in this household as 
really overwhelming. So Aww. honestly, I maybe have time for comfort watches oh, for a little okay. while. Fair. Okay. So you guys may be hearing my takes on things like Hell House, LLC. and Hell House. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at least going to take this week off just because I don't want to feel like cramming it in or okay. letting anybody down by not being And now I feel bad because I was like, why? Because uh, I had my stuff ready, but okay. We'll save it. It'll still I'll be here. It. Okay. I will watch it. All right, enough of what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Wrestling and horror are about to collide. In Escape yeah. the Undertaker, a brand new interactive Halloween movie announced by Netflix. The interactive movie stars WWE legend The Undertaker alongside all three members of the beloved faction The New Day, Big E, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. Ah, uh, this is uh, admittedly a little Greek to me because I do not watch professional wrestling. Not knocking it. I'm just saying I don't know these characters. Um, okay. And escape the Undertaker. The Undertaker has set a trap for decorated tag team The New Day at his mansion. What they don't know, The Undertaker's mansion is an extreme haunted house packed to the brim with supernatural challenges. It's up to viewers to decide the fate of these three poor souls trying to survive the wrath of The Undertaker. It, Escape from the Undertaker will premiere on Netflix on October 5th, you know, help kick off spooky season or mid spooky season for, for people like us. Um, it is, so is this going to be like that Black Mirror yeah. thing, like where you can choose if people die or where they yes. die? So cool. I was just about to say that it is, I think the last time they did an interactive movie, it was Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Um, yeah. So yeah, I that's I don't watch professional... Blah, I do not watch professional wrestling, um, which means that I don't have an attachment to these characters, and I know that it will have deeper meaning to those who are familiar with them. But at the same time, I'm okay with like I want to play. I wanted I want to do this. Let yeah. me let me decide the fates, and I'm more interested in exploring haunted houses and choosing mm -hmm. directions. This reminds me of like some choose your own adventures early games on like AOL or something. Yeah. So. But so, I, I think that it's very fitting for The Undertaker because I don't really watch wrestling like that anymore. So, like, the three, the last three guys that you mentioned, Biggie, Xavier, like I don't really know. I'm not familiar with them. But The Undertaker, oh, my God. He was just <laughs> everything in the 90s. <laughs> you know, he was so, he's just very stylish with his hat and his trench coat, you know. So, he's a dead man walking. So, of course, he's just... He's perfect for this. So he, yeah. So we can expect a really cool house, and that's exciting. Even, and I guess this will be a great way for me to get to know these three gents, as I, yeah. you know, their fate hangs in in the balance uh, of my choosing there. Um. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And Escape Room Tournament of Champions, it's coming home soon. Uh, Adam Robitel's Escape Room franchise delivered more PG thirteen thrills. Uh, deadly traps and cleverly designed rooms in escape room tournament of champions which sony released in theaters in july 16th on the road to halloween the new sequel is now coming home it's going to be released digitally on september 21st and it comes home with a longer alternate cut Adam Robitel explained in an interview with gizmodo that there are two versions of the movie to experience Obviously the theatrical, and then there's the extended cut, which should be called the alternate cut because it has a whole bunch of new mythology and behind the scenes of Minos, the corporation behind the traps in the escape rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, Isabel Furman is incredible. He he told in an interview, Isabel Furman is incredible, and I'm glad this cut is getting its day in the sun. 
So Isabel Furman was cast. I think there was news of her casting way before, you know, it was going into production, but she's not in the theatrical cut at all. Apparently she's getting put back in um, for this alternate version, which runs 96 minutes long, while the theatrical version is just 88 minutes. So that doesn't seem like much of a difference, except the longer digital version includes more than 25 minutes of all new scenes. So it sounds like a completely rearranged thing. Um, All new alternate beginning and ending, revealing the first time who's behind the Minos Corporation. So if you are super into that, uh, this is definitely the cut for you. Uh, Taylor Russell and Logan Miller are back from the first escape room. And if you didn't know the plot in this installment, six people unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive, which is that they've all played the game before. So yeah, I am definitely super curious. What, what a way to keep me, like I saw the theatrical cut and I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first one, but I definitely Mm. want to know what's new now. Um, and then as a quick sly note, uh, Zena, we mentioned, contributed to the special edition of The Guest for Second yeah. Sight Films. That pre-order mm-hmm. is now available if you go to Second Sight Films. And you do because that is limited to a very, what, four to 5,000 copies? Mm-hmm. So it's a limited, go, go get it. Um, and then... <laughs> Uh, Haunted Mansion live-action movie, it's scaring up some casting news. Uh, the popular Disney attraction Haunted Mansion's headed back to the big screen. We previously discussed Justin Simeon on board to direct the live-action movie, and he is responsible for Bad Hair, which is on Hulu. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Haddish are already part of the cast, and it was recently announced that Owen Wilson and Rosario Dawson have been announced to oh. enjoy them. Uh, to join them, not enjoy them. That was really weird. <laughs> I guess they're. I guess they will enjoy their comedy. Uh, join them. Words are hard, ladies and gentlemen. So we still do not have plot details, um, but the Dark Ride, which launched in 1969 and is still one of the most beloved attractions at Disney parks, uh, sees theme park guests going inside a spooky and creepy manner that has a wide array of supernatural frights. Uh, 999, you know, frights worth of ghosts. The most popular characters include the Hatbox Ghost, Madame Leota, and the Phantom, and the Hitchhiking Ghosts, which probably will appear. Um, and a leaked casting call reported that Stanfield would play a widower who once believed in the supernatural but is now a lifeless tour guide in New Orleans, French Quarter, and Haddish would play a psychic hired to commune with the dead. Sounds very Madame Leota-like to me. And last but not least, filming has wrapped on the new Predator movie. A secretive new take on the Predator franchise has been filming for, uh, has been filming this year. And cinematographer Jeff Cutter posted on Instagram that it has wrapped and it's currently titled Skulls. From 20th Century Studios, the return of the Predator franchise is being directed by Dan Trachtenberg, Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane. And it is reportedly a prequel to the original that will tell the tale of the Predator's first journey to our planet. And Amber mm-hmm. Midthunder stars as a Comanche woman who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior. So the most interesting bit about this wrapping is that it's kind of resurfaced a rumor that it's heading straight to Hulu, which, oh. you know, has not been confirmed yet, but it's not surprising 
you know, or I guess the rumor is a little bit more believable considering Hulu recently acquired rights to distribute yeah. David Bruckner's Hellraiser. So they're making big moves mm. on the sly there. Yes. All right, listeners, your turn. Got what it takes to survive a choke slam from hell? Think you can survive a life or death escape room? Let's hear about it. Numbers 224-475-1040. The number's also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at podcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena's going to make all our lives easier on a sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? Before I get into that, I know okay. you guys are just like, oh, this Zena, but I No! What? No! Okay. I have Megan news. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> Megan, tell us your news. I mean, I don't really have any news. Okay, so there is this um, Teen Screams. It is an upcoming documentary where they'll be talking about teen horror movies. And Megan mm-hmm. is going to be a contributor. I love Megan. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Congrats, Megan. We're happy Thank news. You. Nobody can okay. see it. <laughs> my camera's not on, so you can't see my dance, and that makes me feel better about dancing. <laughs> No okay, fair. Yeah. No fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I, we have uh, some pretty interesting movies coming our way. Um, so on Tuesday the 14th, Karen will be available on BET. This one is about a racist woman who decides to just harass this black family who moved into the neighborhood. That's a wild, <laughs> wild, wild. This is exploitation in its finest. It's you know, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the trailer, I thought it was like um, like a Saturday Night Live kind of thing. <laughs> you know? it's, but it's, it's, it's a it's satire. Real. Yeah. Wow. So, um, okay. And then next, we also have on Tuesday, we have two movies. So, Censor will be available on DVD. So, you might want to check that one out. This one follows a British film center who links disturbing horror movies. She links it to her sister's mysterious disappearance. And then we also have Howling Village. It will be available on DVD. And um, after her brother goes missing, a young woman, she visits the last known location. And it's this infamous haunted and cursed site known as the Howling Village to investigate her brother's uh, disappearance. And then she finds out that it's somehow attached to her whole family background and is a dark history and woo okay so then (laughs) we also have on wednesday the 15th night books it'll be available on netflix so a scary story fan named alex he's a little boy he must tell these spine tingling tales every night or stay trapped with his new friend in a wicked witch which is a magical apartment forever which really doesn't seem that bad because it's christian ritter (laughs) so (laughs) And then uh, on Thursday, the 17th, we have Boris Karloff. Karloff, the man behind the monster, will be available on VOD. So this documentary explores uh, Boris's, like, uh, 60-year career in the entertainment industry. So uh, you may want to check this one out. And, of course, if you don't want to choose, as always, Bloody Disgusting TV. Wait, wait, wait. Treat yourself. There's there's one more. (laughs) There's one more that's kind of a genre bender. But uh, Sion Sono's uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land is out on yeah. the 17th. Oh, yeah. So if you want to see Nicolas Cage yeah. screaming about exploding testicles, <laughs> definitely watch it. That he claims is the craziest movie he's ever been involved Whoa, in. Whoa, okay. Check that one out, guys. 
And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod, on Facebook at the, blo- at the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, or drop us an email at BDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on Patreon.com slash BDisgustingPod. So, for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs> <laughs>